Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In the first episode of 2023, I'm joined by City Stalwart and Interact Investors Head of Markets, Richard Hunter, to look ahead to the next 12 months and predict what they might have in store for your investments. After an extraordinary 2022, who knows how the next 20 minutes or so will sound in a year's time. But there are themes that have been brewing for a while, and perhaps the most dominant one is the recession. So Richard, we know the UK is in a recession, and there's fears there might also be a global recession. Although, of course, the health of the US economy will have a big bearing on the health of the global economy. Well, going back to the UK, you know, we know that we're going to be in a recession for a long time. Potentially two years is what's being forecast. And as we, as I've spoken about on this podcast previously, recessions, they're associated with lower stock market prices. And in turn, that leads to you know, high levels of volatility. So it's a challenging backdrop for investors to navigate. However, some fund managers are upbeat. You know, I've heard many fund managers point out that you know, as the stock market is forward-looking, the recession has already been priced into the market. So overall, I'd say that most fund managers, they're looking on the bright side. The consensus view seems to be that the recession is going to be shallow and prolonged rather than a deep recession that would result in unemployment rising sharply. What's your thoughts on this, Richard? Is this optimism that a recession won't be as painful as other past recessions on solid grounding? Well, there's a lot to unpick there uh, for for many reasons. I, I think just so we know uh, what we're talking about, um, in a year when the Nasdaq uh, fell 33%, S&P 500 nearly 20%, the FTSE 250 20%, the FTSE 100 actually managed to eke out a gain of just under 1%. Now, if you add in dividends, that takes a total t- return to somewhere around 4.5%. So that's the first thing to bear in mind, that when we talk about the UK economy, the FTSE 250 is probably a better barometer. Uh, the FTSE 100 has global companies where around 70% of earnings come from overseas. And due to its uh, proliferation of energy stocks and indeed a week at sterling, it had a pretty good year in comparative terms. The same can't be said of the FTSE 250, which was much more the reflection of the, of the recession that you, you mentioned. It was interesting that what we have seen uh, is an increase in, in retail sales in the UK in December. Um, just how much of that will simply have been the festive spirit. There was a very upbeat um, set of numbers from JD Sports. The, the share price rose accordingly on, on the back of those strong numbers. And what JD Sports was saying, and obviously I'm paraphrasing, is quite simply that people like to paint a black picture. The fact of the matter is that unemployment is still low, uh, and jobs are still available, and therefore there is disposable income. Of course, there are big question marks over the cost of living crisis, uh, high and persistent inflation, and the fact that at the moment the Bank of England's hands are pretty much tied uh, in terms of its next move on interest rates, which is likely to be another hike, which obviously in turn will put extra pressure uh, on mortgage rates as well. But as we at Interactive Investor have been saying for a long time now, inflation is, is almost a personal thing. It depends on your spending habits. Obviously, there are things we've got in common, such as uh, energy, food, etc. But personal inflation is not necessarily the 10, 11, 12% we've been seeing at the headline figure. So there is little question 
the UK is in a difficult place. Um, inflation, from a, a global perspective, is still yet to be brought under control. The other problem we've got in the UK, of course, um, is fairly stagnant growth. Uh, and when we get to this sort of stagflation environment, it's quite difficult to see a way out of it. So in terms of the UK, I suspect that, yes, we're going to have uh, an extremely difficult 2023. Um, in terms of the global market, the, the big concern remains quite simply that should the Federal Reserve continue its aggressive um, rate hiking policy and over tighten, that could lead the world's largest economy into recession and that really would send the ripples uh, around global markets. It does look like it is going to be a very difficult year for you know the UK stock market. Although, having, say, having said that, there have been some fund managers, um, and not just those that have been talking up their own books, that there have been some fund managers that can invest across the UK market sort of spectrum in terms of size, that have been really talking up mid and small cap companies, which, you know, as you mentioned, they, they, they had a 2022 to forget. And this is directly linked to the recession. So the point being made here is that, you know, as the as the stock market is forward looking and has potentially already moved to price in the recession, this has led to, you know, to some really sharp falls last year for domestically focused companies. So, you know, so what some flanges are now saying is that these 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 share price falls, they've they've already happened. So now might be a good time to to look at some of these share prices in terms of their valuations as potential air bargains. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Richard? Is it, is it very much on a case-by-case basis um, for these domestic stocks? Very, very much so. Although one thing I would say is that uh, we're only a few trading days into January, of course, so far. But so far, the FTSE 250 has held up pretty well after that fairly precipitous 20% fall last year. But I think without question, um, any quarterly earnings season update on either side of the pond is going to come with some stocks which are clearly going to benefit uh, and some stocks which are clearly going um, to fill the full force. That being said, um, it could well be that um, in terms of the FTSE 250, a lot of the air has been taken out of the tyres and not so much companies outpacing expectations, but even matching expectations could actually see some kind of repricing. So I do have some sympathy with the uh, UK fund managers who who are potentially pointing to a chink uh, in in light of light at the end of the tunnel for the UK. And of course, I think, um, you know, when I, when I have conversations with full managers, I mean, one thing that they're really focusing on when looking at these mid and small cap names is how reliant are they on consumer spending? Because, you know, if we're in a recession that's going to last two years, then the expectation is that, you know, People will tighten their belts. Consumer spending will decline. Maybe, maybe this time next year we'll have a better idea on whether those predictions come to fruition or not. We're going to now briefly um, touch on technology shares, and the reason why it'll be a quick summary is because in an upcoming episode we'll be covering uh, the prospects for tech in more detail. As everyone knows, you know, 2022 is a miserable year of performance for tech shares. Higher interest rates, which increases the return of risk-free investments, has made technology shares less attractive as their valuations are based on their future earnings potential. I suppose the question going forward, and particularly for you know for those to have exposure to technology shares, which I'm sure most investors do in one form or other, is what happens next. I suppose the outlook hinges on whether inflation is brought under control by the interest rate rises that have already happened. Yeah, very much so. We had um, 
um, what what they might call a perfect storm working in, against them last year. As we say, the Nasdaq was down thirty three percent in two thousand and twenty two, although it still remains up quite strongly if you if you take a a five year view. But quite apart from the rotation we had seen away from growth into value, we got to this uh, situation where. Uh, ironically, the FTSE 100, as we mentioned, did stand up fairly well, whereas for the last few years, we've been bemoaning the fact that there were very, very few technology shares in our premier index that actually played into its hands uh, last year in terms of a relative shelter. At the same time, I think it's increasingly uh, accepted that uh, valuations were too punchy uh, in the US because we're basically talking about the US when we're talking about tech shares. Um, and so, again, some um, re-rating of valuations was required. In terms of prospects, um, if you look at, you know, what was previously the FANG stocks, the, the Apples and the Amazons, et cetera, and Microsoft probably in particular, these companies are here to stay. They've built the economic moat, which Warren Buffett uh, previously described on more than one occasion. And obviously, after that precipitous fall in 2022, I suspect that there will be some bargain hunting uh, going on. But you're absolutely right. Until such time as we know exactly where we are with the Fed, the stroke interest rates, stroke inflation, um, technology stocks are going to struggle to make much meaningful headway. Yeah, I do agree. You know, I've often hear, you know, points made by fund managers that, you know, technology, given, you know, how embedded it is in modern day life, it's a, you know, it's a secular trend that seems to be unstoppable. Find it in, find it interesting at the moment that um, uh, over the past uh, year or so, uh, Teddy Smith, fund manager of Fundsmith Equity, so he's been taking advantage of the tech sell-off um, to increase exposure. So um, since the autumn of 2021, he's added to the portfolio Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, Amazon and Adobe. And he also owns Microsoft and uh, Meta platforms, which are, of course is Facebook. But in contrast, a fund manager that manages money in a similar way and is also a global fund manager, uh, Stephen Yu, who manages the Blue Whale uh, Growth Fund, he's been selling out of big tech over the past year or so. So he actually sold out of Meta Platforms, Amazon and Google. So I spoke to Stephen last month. And in the case of Amazon and Google, he made the point that inflation and, and because of that, incomes being squeezed was one of the main reasons why he sold out of those two stocks. And you can check out the rest of the full interview on Interactive Investors' YouTube channel. Now, while there's clearly contrasting opinions um, amongst those two fund managers about the prospects for tech, there's also a divide in views among the outlook for China in 2023. So as we know, investor sentiment towards China, it's very low. There's various reasons why. I'd say the main ones are due to policy tightening and um, stringent regulation was introduced by the Chinese government into a number of its own sectors, um, notably technology and property. There's also been the strict zero COVID policies, which are now being eased, which have come at the cost of economic growth. And there's also separate fears over debt levels in China's property market. So all those headwinds have meant that you know Chinese shares are out of favour and they fell around 15% for the main index in 2022. And a big concern going forward, which has led some fund managers to completely sell out to China, is the fear that regulatory crackdowns could be made in the future that will potentially stifle the growth of successful companies and potentially limit their share price upside. 
So those are the concerns. You know, on the bright side, I've heard, you know, our professional investors make the point the Chinese shares, they are cheap. A lot of bad news has been priced in. And of course, China's government has recently moved to um, loosen its zero COVID policy, which, Richard, you, you would assume would lead to a potential economic rebound for China and potentially better times for its stock market. Yeah, that's right. And, and again, China is one which has had a good start to 2023. It's pretty much related to what you mentioned there, which is the scrapping of the zero tolerance COVID-19 policy. Ironically, from a health perspective, that's not been such a good move because it's led to, inevitably, it's led to another wave of infections uh, across the country. Having said that, of course, and as we've already discussed, markets are forward looking. And so the news has actually been taken positively. Um, A lot of travel restrictions within the country and outside of the country have now been lifted. Uh, China is about to embark on its Lunar New Year kind of holiday uh, where travel is absolutely uh, inherent to uh, boosting their own economy. Uh, Commodity prices haven't necessarily quite joined the party yet because the the big question mark remains whether the Chinese uh, economic rebound will happen. But certainly the lifting of the COVID rules has been taken well, with the Chinese government standing behind, basically saying, Uh, that it will be there to support the economy where necessary. It's obviously very mindful that the property sector has been ailing, that consumer sentiment has been falling, and that manufacturing activity has absolutely taken a dive while those lockdowns uh, were in place. So I think China, uh, as the world's second largest economy, um, is going to have a particular year um, of uh, rebalancing, which actually could be a good thing for global markets, particularly while... uh, the uh, eyes have diverted um, almost solely in terms of recessionary behaviour towards the US. And the other thing I think it does make me wonder whether 2022, uh, which to some extent saw, saw the breakdown of the 60-40 portfolio and was so difficult for bonds, whether you think, Carl, that um, things are going to change in, in terms of the outlook for bonds in 2023. I think there are much better prospects for the year ahead for bonds. Now, if I did a quick search on my um, email inbox, the amount of emails I've had from for management companies with, you know, bonds are back, you know, is 2023 the year of the bonds? There's a lot of for managers that are making the point that for the first time in several years, now is an attractive time to consider bonds. Let's just go back to last year. So, um, you know, bonds or, you know, fixed income, as a poor year in 2022, you know, some bond funds posted, you know, double digit losses, which is not not what you'd expect over that sort of time period for for bonds, given that they are, you know, it's meant to be a lower risk investment than equities. These heavy falls were in responses to um, increases in interest rates. Interest rate rises, they cause bond prices to fall and bond yields rise. They both have an inverse relationship. The bonds that are most sensitive to interest rates are long duration bonds, those that have long lifespans, those that, you know, for argument's sake, are 15 years or more away from maturing. The silver lining is, you know, bond prices have fallen, but bond yields have risen. If you if you look back a year ago, UK the 10-year UK government bond yield was just over 1%. And now it's currently around 3.5%. That gives people an indication straight away of the higher level of income that is now on offer from bonds. 
So because that's one of the main attractions of owning bonds that they pay they pay a fixed level of income. The second reason for optimism is the hope and expectation that um, interest rates are at or near a peak. And if this plays out, you know, uh, lots of fund managers have been making the point that the bonds will, will once again regain their role as providing defensive ballast in portfolios in being less correlated to equities. The concern is, I mean, if inflation remains stubbornly high, then the likelihood is that there'll be further interest rate rises. And as we know, and as bond investors found to their cost last year, interest rate rises, they'll, cl- they'll cause bond prices to fall and they'll cause yields to rise further. So um, I think as long as that plays out, that you know inflation is reined in and we are potentially at or near a peak of interest rates you know, being at the current levels, then I do think the prospects for bonds do look good. And, and that is underpinned by the fact that they are paying a much more attractive level of income than they, they have done for um, several years. But as mentioned, you know, fixed income, it's got the name fixed income because that income is fixed. And, you know, while equities are high risk with dividends, they, they, they you know, they, they don't stay the same. So there is the prospect for higher rewards over the long term through going down the equity market. And finally, at the start of each year, Richard comes up with an investment acronym for the year ahead. Now, Richard, we've talked about some of the themes that you've identified, but could you give us a quick run through of what it is for for 2023? Yeah, it's basically what we're trying to do is to to, um, recognise the fact that the calendar year may have changed, but the investment themes haven't necessarily. This time last year, we were asking uh, whether investors should be circumspect, and that turned out very much uh, to be the case in 2022. So our acronym for 2023 uh, is, will it be a time for reflection? Um, and in terms of reflection, what we're talking about, um, working through the actual spelling of the word, recession, which we've already mentioned, earnings, which we've already mentioned, Federal Reserve, loan loss provisions, ESG, the consumer, especially in the States, of course, total returns, which includes dividends as well, of course, inflation and interest rates. Online, we've seen some post-pandemic levelling in terms of behaviour. And indeed, the N is NASDAQ. And whether we are going to see uh, a switch back into growth from value, uh, reversing the switch that we saw last year, and maybe even at the end of 2021. So it's designed in a nutshell to recognise what the most likely uh, investment themes are going to be, many of which uh, we've discussed today. My thanks to Richard and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you want us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website, ii.co.uk. See you next week.